Hi, I'm David Freudberg, the host of Humankind. I actually grew up in public radio. I've been in the field since I was 16. And from the start, I was taught to offer people content that will inform and enlighten. This podcast is dedicated to spreading ideas that speak to the highest part of our listeners rather than the lowest common denominator. If you like what you hear, we're asking for your help please leave us a kind review on iTunes so others can find us. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund. Additional funding for this series has been provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the National Institutes of Health, the Annie E. Casey Foundation, and the Park Foundation. Most of these young people, when they go home, are going to have people using around them, whether it's a family member or, or their former peers. So I think, that, I think the biggest challenge is just, it's just this pervasive culture of drugs that surrounds the youth in our, in our communities today. A special high school helps kids with a history of substance abuse support each other to stay clean and sober. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. They're known as sobriety highs and recovery highs, schools for kids who've gotten into trouble with alcohol and other drugs. They teach traditional academics, but also an important life skill, how to navigate the emotional turbulence of adolescence without getting high on substances. Roger Oser is principal of a recovery high school in Boston. You know, at a regular school, if a kid drops out, well, maybe he'll get in a GED program, maybe he'll come back to school, he'll get a job. Here, if a kid drops out, maybe he'll die, maybe she'll overdose, okay? We can't take that home with us. All we can do is the best possible job as professionals, as a team, to provide the best program, but it's hard. It's obviously hard to separate. It it gets a little more emotional and intense when those are the stakes. The school opened its doors in 2006, one of three recovery high schools in Massachusetts, funded through a five-year grant from the state legislature. Nationwide, there are over two dozen recovery highs, mostly designed for small classrooms and a low student population. The Boston School, with a goal of enrolling 50 students, is called William J. Ostegai High School, named after its founder, known to everyone as Willie. He's a lieutenant in the Boston Fire Department and director of the department's employee assistance program. What was happening is our members' children were coming to us for help, and we were putting them in treatment. And almost every one of them would relapse within the first week of coming out of treatment. So we put them back into treatment, and this just went on and on. And it finally got to a point that we had two of our members, teenage kids, high school kids, boys, that was their second treatment, and they didn't want to go back to their respective high schools because um, they felt that they couldn't stay straight. And the stats were, were staggering. I mean, what I was watching was 90% of our kids going at the treatment and relapsing within the first week, and 100% of them relapsing within the first month. I mean, there was no success. And so. why, why is there such a high rate of relapse for kids coming out of treatment? If you use the analogy, and I like to, is 
if somebody had an alcohol problem and you took them and sat them in a bar room, how long are they going to last before they pick a drink up? You're putting these kids back in a school where everybody they use with, all their peers are there, everybody they buy from is there, and it's, it's just such a major problem that they feel like they're the odd man out. You know, they just feel like a fifth wheel. I've sat and talked to a lot of these young kids, and they'll tell you that they've never been in a class that two or three kids aren't buzzed all the time. Juniors, seniors in high school, they said they've never been in a class themselves that they went high, and two or three other kids weren't. You know, so how do you learn in an atmosphere like that? You know, and how, how does one miss that? You know, how does, I know the teachers are doing a good job, but how do you miss somebody that's in front of you, two or three kids in every class that are a mess? You're going to have biochemistry during the first period, everyone together. Right, right after this. And then the period after lunch, everyone will have math together. Why? So you guys will be together as a group. Um, because we're having a staff planning meeting today. Each morning, about a dozen teenagers and staff gather for an all-school meeting at a downtown building operated by Action for Boston Community Development, a large nonprofit service agency collaborating on the project with Cushing House, a substance abuse program, and the Boston Public Schools. Two of the students, David, 17, and Krista, 18, are from South Boston. They got into trouble attending regular high school. And that school is just a complete mess. I mean, drugs are everywhere. I mean, it's hard to stay away from them. What kinds of drugs? Whatever you want, you could get. So basically, like, I couldn't get anything done there. Like, I wouldn't have had a future if I stayed there. I'd probably just be a laborer like everyone else in my family. So I figured, like, I needed to get help. Like, I got into a lot of trouble. And, like, yeah, like, I got sent to a detox, but still, I mean, it helped me out. It was for the best. What kind of trouble do you get into? Like, I was just doing stupid things, like pushing drugs. Like, it was just stupid. I, would, I just needed money to support my own habit, and I did whatever I had to to get it. I drank a lot, opiates, Percocet, Vicodin, stuff like that. And uh, how old were you when you started? Uh, I had my first drink when I was like eight. Got drunk for the first time at 11, and that just progressed from there. And at what age did you finally enter a process of uh, recovery and abstinence? 17. Well, I lived on the Cape for a while, and uh, with my grandparents and stuff, I entered there when I was like my eighth grade summer, and I just Drugs, drinking, parties, money was just everywhere. It's just the way it was. What substances? Opiates, drinking, mostly all of the above, but the opiates really grabbed a hold of me and it kind of took off from there, Oxycontin mostly. How did you access it? All my friends are drug, were drug dealers. My boyfriend was a drug dealer. It's just It was just the way it was, the school I went to. What percentage of the kids would you say were getting high of your, at your high school? 90%. Alcohol is present when, was present when I first got around that way, but it kind of, it kind of burnt out just like with the coke scene, it burnt out and once the opiates hit the cape, it, it was all over because there's no more drinking and no more smoking weed after you have a habit with Oxycontin or heroin. So did you get into some kind of a, a crisis or a jackpot situation? I went to detox and went to a program when I was 16. I got out of the program. I laid low for a little while, and then when I turned 18, 
it started all over again and I moved back to Boston. I, I came back to South Boston, did everything I had to do for a little while and then everything just hit the fan with, with heroin and, what, and whatnot and uh, I ended up going to a detox and I'm currently in a halfway house right now. You've been sober how long? Six months. How you feel? Great. The admission requirement to attend Ostagai High School is a minimum of 30 days abstinence from alcohol and other drugs. The school is not meant for kids in a full-blown crisis, but for those who are emerging from one. Some of the students live in a halfway house, others live at home but have received treatment. They're all in early recovery from addiction. Principal Roger Oser. Emotionally what happens is they relate to the world through their substance. A lot of times the students start using because of low self-esteem or whatever issues they have going on in their family or community, they're trying to escape their problems. So instead of having to deal with them like people who are sober, using social skills and developing emotionally, they deal with it by using drugs. So once they're sober, you know, we might have 18, 19 year olds in this program, but emotionally they're 13, 14. They've never had to do conflict resolution. They've never had to deal with frustration because they've always turned to their substance to, to escape. Cognitively, there's lots of studies, depending on the substance of choice, that just there's, there's some cognitive damage that's done sometimes. And in some cases, they'll recover those abilities. In some cases, they might not. But most of the students still have the ability to succeed and achieve. They're very, very bright. I've worked in a lot of different alternative education programs. The kids in this school academically are at a higher level than most other groups of students in these, in these settings. So how do you address the special needs of kids who intellectually may be competent, but whose emotional problems block that? Yeah, it, it's, it's a really important question because sometimes a student will think, I'm sober and I'm, and I'm attending school every day, that's enough. Well, it's not enough. I mean, you have to start dealing with issues of anger, frustration, lashing out emotionally um, that are going to prevent you from being successful. So, you know, we have a substance abuse counselor on staff. We have a school counselor uh, on staff. Um, we bring in people from outside to do adolescent wellness classes. So what we really impart on the students is what we would do with any young people is what are the daily habits that you need to acquire to be successful? You need to be on time. You need to treat one another respectfully. You need to learn how to deal with anger and frustration appropriately. So just because these kids have a substance abuse issue doesn't mean they're treated any differently. Um, they have to do the same things that any young person needs to do um, to be successful. The issue is they do a lot of times have a lot more emotional um, baggage and they are dealing with a lot of issues. Um, a lot of the individuals are diagnosed with co-occurring disorders. So in addition to substance abuse, they might have depression or bipolar. Um, and so one of the things we're working on with the schools is getting more clinical support for the, for the staff to help uh, work with those students in those situations. The staff at Ostagai High includes teachers of math, social studies, English, and science, but also Tim Harding, the recovery counselor, who helps to guide kids through the emotional challenges of stabilizing their lives. Most of what's going on here therapeutically is going on peer-to-peer. -peer. It's going on with them supporting each other in the recovery. What I do here as a recovery counselor and group counseling and so forth is, is mostly provide a safe 
supportive environment for them to sit down in a group and share their experiences around recovery, which are, there are many. These kids, are, they have a very difficult time now that they're sober, finding uh, any kind of pleasure, joy in the, in the things that typically we would find pleasure and joy in. Because the only thing that's brought them pleasure or joy in the last year, two, three years has been addiction, drugs, and so forth. So really recovery is extremely hard for them. For them to be sort supporting each other in that is, is, is really what's going on here therapeutically, and it's how they help each other. Um, even when they're talking about not feeling good in sobriety and not like being sober and they feel like they're being cheated because they're 16, 17, 18 years old and they're, now they have to be sober for the rest of their lives. But it's uh, just though they're sharing about that experience with each other and talking about it and finding things to do. And it just takes a while. Actually, everybody in early recovery finds it very difficult to, to find any kind of reward to joy in, in life, you know what I mean? And it takes a while for, many times a year, two years, three years, you don't know, for them to be able to find pleasure in just the things in life that most of us, that reward us, you know what I mean? And that's, that's really what addiction is about. Principal Roger Oser. If they can maintain their sobriety, each day of sobriety they get under their belt, the more stable they get, the more opportunity they have to find out what they enjoy in life, and I would say that's the biggest barrier. These students, many of them don't know how to enjoy life except through relating to their substance. So for example, we'll take the students rowing. We're going to get them involved in boxing. There's a guy coming in tomorrow to talk about doing a softball team. If they can't find something that they enjoy besides using, they're not going to be able to stay in early, in early recovery. And the problem with these adolescents, these young students in, in this program is they're not at a point where they can push themselves to experience other things besides their, their drug of choice. And if they don't do that, it doesn't matter how many groups they go to, you know, how many hours of class they go to, they're going to have that time where if they don't have anything to fill it with productively, they're going to relapse. They so, need to find some practical, appealing substitute for the drugs. It's like any human being. We all have to find what our avocation in life, what our hobbies are. And because they were using their development has been delayed because they didn't have to. When you're high on heroin, when you're taking OxyContin, everything's fine until it's not. You're listening to Sobriety High School on Humankind. I'm David Freitberg. For more information, you can check our website, humanmedia.org. Ostagai High represents a needed structure in the lives of its students recovering from addiction. They're expected to maintain a fixed school schedule, meet academic requirements for graduation, and adhere to a code of conduct. But when the academic day ends, they must leave the safety of that structure. Cassandra Legault is a school counselor. In a typical school, usually you have a lot of young people that are you know, leaving school and going to work or going on you know, just to hang out with friends or do different things. And a lot of the young people here really are committed to either returning home to a treatment program or um, going regularly to meetings at night. And it's Recovery just meetings. Recovery meetings, yes, um, or meeting with individual counselors. And so I think just realizing that um, 
you know, our students here really have a huge responsibility. And so I think for us, it's um, just making sure that we're constantly supporting them and always having an understanding that although the academics are number one, that sobriety also is is just as important. So making sure that we always maintain that level of um, importance for both. Habitual use of alcohol and other drugs tends to compromise a student's scholastic performance. The kids can lose momentum and self-esteem, which a recovery high school works gradually to rebuild. I'm consistently trying to recognize um, you know, their, their academic ability. Um, it's very impressive the, the level of intelligence that the students are coming in with here. Um, and I think in the past... Is this higher than average? Um, I would say, yeah. I, I, I really, I think that um, they have some really exceptional abilities, and a lot of them have not recognized that. Um, in their previous schools, they kind of, I think, just managed to get by, um, and a lot of them, without putting, putting very minimal effort into trying, managed to to really still be able to maintain or stay afloat within their The curse high of schools. the bright student. Yes. <laughs> and so they come here and they realize that um, we're not going to let them just get by, that we are going to hold the bar a lot higher, and we know that they are able to, to reach that bar, and so we're consistently challenging them, um, providing them with extra opportunities to challenge themselves academically, and um, also connecting them with um, higher education stuff and looking into to start the process now. Because uh, for some of them, they may have thought that college was potentially out of their reach because of the fact that they maybe um, academically didn't do so well in their previous high schools that there really wasn't an opportunity to, to go forward, but are now realizing that it is a realistic goal and that not only is it a realistic goal, that there are opportunities out there for them in order to go to colleges that offer recovery-type programs. And so we actually just recently, this past Friday, brought in um, a program, University of Colorado, that has recently in, uh, implemented a recovery center for young people that are want to go on to college and want to be in a recovery-type program in the college setting. And so we're really trying to expose them to life after high school as well, um, and that it doesn't just end here, that there is a, a network outside of outside of Ostagai High School that they need to tap into and, and uh, realize that they really have uh, opportunities beyond here. While I was in detox, my mother found out about this school. And as soon as I was finished all my programs, I ended up like coming here for an interview, and I was accepted. I started the first day it opened. What was your impression when you heard that there was going to be a recovery high school? It like I've never heard about one before. Like I never knew they existed until like my mother called me at detox and was like, "Hey, there's this new school opening up, and there's not going to be a lot of kids there. You'll probably do good." So I was like, "All right, I'll give it a shot." I mean, it's healthy high, like, you saw me maybe. My teachers didn't even know my name. I was never there. I went maybe once, like, to sign in so, like, they wouldn't call my house, and then I'd leave. What's your attendance rate here? I'm here every day, unless, like, I was sick a couple times, that's it. How are you doing academically? I get all A's and B's. How do you feel about that? It's better than getting all F's. Had you gotten all F's? Yeah, I did. I mean, I was never there. How are you going to pass a class you never went to? Did you have some doubts about your academic ability and 
those years when you weren't doing well? Like, I knew I just didn't care. That was the thing. Like, I never doubted myself. Like, that didn't really bother me. And then, like, I never had time to think, like, oh, I'm, like, doubting myself about academics. I didn't care about them at all. I mean, I was making money. That was the only thing I cared about. Dealing? Yeah. Honestly, I don't even know how I'm in 12th grade right now because I don't remember 9th, 10th, or 11th grade. I don't remember being there. They just passed me just to get rid of me. That's what they did. But So my grades are pretty good on paper, but I don't even remember being in school. They just passed me because I was a problem. How about your, your current studies? I have always B's. I show up for school every single day, and I try to be on time. I'm not going to say I'm on time every day, but I try. It's an alternative high school. It's a small class room size so we can give them individual attention. And it's very important that they find out and, and begin to feel good again about being a student. Recovery counselor Tim Harding. You just see it, that they're finding out that the light coming on again, they're finding out that they are good students, you know what I mean? And, and, and they can do this and, they, and, and to start feeling good about themselves. And they're all actually pretty bright. It's, a, it's very surprising to see how well, well not to me, but I think to them, it's surprising to see how well they can do if uh, giving a, giving a little encouragement. It's a different atmosphere. School founder Willie Ostagai. It's a safe atmosphere. They don't have to put up any kind of uh, a facade that you know that they're one of the one of the cool kids. Or you know now in this setting, they're all supporting each other. If you're in a regular school and you come up with a problem, you're having a bad day and you want to pick up, where's your support system? It doesn't exist. The only thing that's going to happen in that setting is you're going to gravitate towards people that have it and would just as soon, you know, give it to you and, you know, misery loves company. You know, this is a much safer setting for them. It can, it's almost like they can breathe, you know, carefully and just feel safe. We've taken a very, very serious approach to sobriety and recovery. Principal Roger Oser. We probably could be at a higher enrollment now. Um, but we're not going to take kids in until we've established for certain, not only that they're sober through drug testing, but they have a commitment to recovery and their recovery plan. So we've been, uh, we've had pretty good, we've been very fortunate and had some really early success with keeping our young people sober. Uh, we've had four cases of relapse, um, all that we've been able to work with and get back on track into school, back into school or into a supportive environment. Um, but relapse is, I, I hesitate to say this, but it is sometimes a part of early recovery. So that's why I think I, you know, our relapse policy is pretty comprehensive. And if you use at uh, Ostagai High, um, you're not kicked out. We apply the relapse policy. Um, Can you explain that? Sure. Um, obviously, any drugs or alcohol on site is zero tolerance and, you know, an individual will be terminated. But if you, if you relapse at Ostagai High... We then go through a series of steps. What was the nature of the relapse? What was the substance that you relapsed on? Was it one time or was it, did you go on a run? Did you self-report? The biggest piece is honesty. If someone comes to us and says, listen, over the weekend, you know, I used. If we catch it that way instead of, we do random testing. We test at least once a week. And some students who've relapsed, we do three tests a week. What's that, urine samples? Yep, yep, uh, urine samples. Um, so we're going to catch them eventually if it's an out-of-control habit. But we want to create a culture, the peer-to-peer -peer culture, once again, where it's not you know, us against them, staff against the students. We're all in this together. If we see a student struggling, we're not going to allow that student to continue to struggle because the implications and the consequences can be tragic. It could be someone dying or overdosing, um, and that's not being you know, dramatic. So when someone relapses, 
we get them right away. We meet with the student and the family. We assess the nature of the relapse, and we come up with uh, a new plan. We revise the recovery plan. Sometimes the student can come back in pretty quickly. A lot of times the student needs to go get some outpatient treatment or maybe needs to go back to residential. Um, and so every situation is different. So not every student is treated equally, but every student is treated fairly based on the, 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 the facts and the specifics of their relapse. Ask the guy high students, David and Krista. If you think about it, if there's nothing set up for you after you get out of treatment, then treatment was pointless because if you go back to what you were doing and where you were, I mean, what's changed? The fact that you weren't there for three weeks isn't going to mean you're not going to want to, like, take a pill or do drugs anymore. I mean, you need to, like, just keep going with it. I mean, if you try to do it on your own, it's really hard. Well, I tried it. I was in a placement and I got out and I went back to the same school and I, I tried my hardest to do what I was supposed to do but with people t every Friday talking about what party you're going to, who's doing what, who's doing this, that and the other thing, like it's kind of hard to, to be around the same people. You have to change your friends, you have to change your whole way of life and if you go to the same school when you're done with treatment, you're going to see everyone that you, you've used with, everyone that you got into trouble with. If you did drugs with some girl and then you become friends with that girl and that girl's still doing drugs, the chance of you doing drugs with her, it's comfortable, it's comfort. It's like you know, you know it's always gonna, drugs are always gonna be there, but like you just have to change change your friends, change the places you go, because if not, you're gonna relapse. Like I can't hang out with the same people I used to hang out with. I can't go to parties, but it's just not gonna work. What do you do instead? I have a whole new group of friends. I have friends that are in this program. I have friends in You mean at this school? Yeah. And just people that I've met through my program. Like my my AA program. Like I don't hang out with anyone that uses drugs. I don't hang out with people that drink. I don't hang out with people that cause trouble or get into trouble. Is it hard? Yeah, it is hard. I miss my old life. I mean I'm not gonna lie, like I, I wish I could be an average person and go to college parties and, and go to high school events where people aren't gonna and where people are gonna be drinking and feel comfortable, but I'm not comfortable like that, so I mean I'm kinda over it now but sometimes I do miss it. But in the long run it's this is my life. Like it's not a party, it's not gonna be a party for the rest of my life. How about you? How do you deal with the all the um, temptations that are out there? You just gotta look past them. I mean, you can't let something bother you for the rest of your life. I mean, you gotta just grow up and be like, all right, I can't do that. I mean, it's hard. I mean, I wish I could be like everyone else too, but I can't, and I know that. So I just look past it, I forget about it. I mean, like, if you don't have a problem, like, good for you. Like, have a beer for me, but I can't drink that, so. They need other people to tell them, tell them that they're doing well, because they are doing well, just to stay sober. Know, that one day at a time, just another day of sobriety. When you had a bad day and you stayed sober anyway, it's, it's, it's tremendous. And it's, it's extremely difficult for them at times. More times than not, actually, in, in, in early recovery. And to, and to give them credit for that and to support them in that is, is I think, the main thing that we do here. Staff and students at Boston's Ostagai High School for kids recovering from alcohol and other drug problems.
You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Steve Colby. Editorial assistance from Thomas Royal. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with The Network Incorporated. Program development and support provided by Shart Media. To purchase a CD copy of this program, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. That's 1-800-5-L-I-S-T-E-N. Or visit our website where you can also obtain an audio download of this and our other programs and can hear selected episodes free. You can access free written materials related to this program as well. Our web address is humanmedia.org. That's humanmedia.org. Again, if you'd like to purchase a CD copy of Humankind by phone, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN, and our web address is humanmedia.org. This segment, Sobriety High School, is Humankind program number 114. The executive producer is David Freudberg. This is Humankind. To hear more episodes of Humankind, you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast player. A new episode each week. The podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you enjoy this program, be sure to leave us a kind review at iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to support the program, please visit humanmedia.org. And at the top of the homepage, click on How You Can Help. Again, our web address is humanmedia.org. Thanks.